0: Sat in a meeting this week with uh, some ministers, and the person giving the address is a man of God from the United Kingdom, oversees a network of pastors, and their church has about eight different campuses throughout the North London area. And it's just wonderful, I mean, just an anointed man of God. And as I sat there, a dear friend of mine's home just in this discussion on on ministry and life, he said something that has just stuck with me for the last two days. He said, there's a generation that's coming up that's not gonna settle for church as usual, and all of the wonderful, we have to do things a certain way type of process, is good believe in excellence, but God's raising them up to usher in revival. And it's not going to matter what the name is on the church. It's going to matter. And, and revival isn't just we had, you know, seven days of meetings. That, that's just a meeting. Revival is when God's glory breaks out. And I'm just reminded, we can have all the best laid plans in the world. And I believe we should lay good plans. We should pray and we should labor and work hard. But at the end of the day, if God doesn't bless them, it doesn't matter. And I don't ever want to stand in, in, in this behind this sacred desk without having, number one, prepared the message, prepared my heart, but prepared you. And I do that through prayer. And just this week, there's just been a, a heavy burden for prayer and praying over you by name and going through a, a, the list of names that we have from compiled and worked through and all of that. Folks, I I don't ever want to come to church and it just be church as usual. I'm sorry. I can't do that. I was never made for that. What I was made for is to experience the goodness of God every time we get together. And I believe that this year, as we engage God's word more on a personal level, we're going to see a, a whole year of amazing growth in that. You know, the first couple of weeks in our our message theme this year, we've been looking at engaging God's word and it's good and it's important and it's healthy and we need to, we we need to grow in that, amen? You know, all levels, it it doesn't matter if you are in the third grade or you are in um, the the 333rd grade and I'm not calling anybody old, I'm just saying some of us take a little longer to get out of it, okay? Regardless, we, we still need God's word and we need to grow in that. And today, as we get into this, I just, I want to forewarn you, I may step on your toes. I'm just forewarning you, if your toes are out there and they get stepped on, then you should take it from the Lord, that it was the Lord stepping on them and not me, because he's a whole lot nicer, if you don't believe that, just ask my wife, I've smushed hers a couple of times in life and learned really quickly not to do that, but I'm just warning you, so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open to the book of James that's where our text is going to be at, and of course we'll have plenty more where that came from. But we're going to look at this today, and we're going to read it in the Amplified because it just says it's so much bigger and broader, and I want us to get that, okay? And we're going to start in verse number 19. It'll be on the screens to follow along. It says, Understand this, my beloved brethren, let, me, let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense, and to get angry. And I think James wrote that specifically to men today. Understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear. The first time your wife tells you to do something, you should hear. The first time the directions say, read the instructions, you should hear. Be a ready listener, okay? Verse 24, man's anger does not promote the righteousness of God, uh, God's wishes and requires. So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness and a humble, gentle, modest spirit. Receive and welcome the word which, implanted and rooted in your hearts, contains the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception by receiving contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he's like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in the mirror. For he thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and promptly forgets what he was like. But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it and perseveres in it, in looking into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he shall be blessed in his doing, his life of obedience. So like I said, watch your toes today. This passage is so rich and so full, and I wouldn't dare try to preach it all in one day. It's just not possible. There's no way um, anyone could have that kind of time unless you'd like to be here for six hours, and I assure you, I don't want to preach that long. This year, our theme, Engage, we're talking about engaging the Word of God so that it shapes our, our living, our giving, our caring, and our sharing. Engaging the Word, not not, not just listening, not just hearing, but but it's, it's different. When we engage it, it's a difference maker in our lives, amen? When we actually put the word into practice, it begins to change things in us. Now, I, I don't want to just, for the sake of going through the measures and all that, I'm not, I, I'm so over that. I want us to grow into knowing what God's word says. If we're really going to engage it, we've got to put verse number 19 into practice. When it says, be quick to hear, be quick to hear, Uh, be a ready listener, Uh, ready, slow to speak, and even slower to get angry. Um, After all, our anger doesn't do any good, right? We're never going to advance God's kingdom because I got mad, because you got mad. It's never going to advance and make a difference in the kingdom of God. What does begin to shape things is when we've listened. We've got to come in ready listeners, not just in service, but every day. I don't want to just go through life uh, having punched the time clock of reading the Bible. Um, In in a season right now as we journey through the Bible together, uh, my son and I are doing the same reading plan together, and it's fun to watch him, and and it would be easy to just get used to clicking the button. Okay, I've done it, and that's good, but I don't want to just get stuck in that. I want to listen. What is God saying every day through it? Now, when we get to the book of Numbers, let's just be honest. I'm going to skim a little bit like everybody else does, right? Who begat who and who did that, right? There's something important there, and the Lord will awaken me to it. I'll listen if I'm listening. I'll hear it if I'm listening. We've got to be ready listeners, not, not just, I heard what you said, but I have no idea what you said. Don't, don't put on your dad ears, okay, where you heard it in the background, but you didn't hear a word they said. I, I'm good at that. They were talking, but I didn't, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. We've got to get beyond that and listen, okay? But let's get honest. Some of you came in today and you're already a listener. You want to hear what God's word says. Some of us came in today and we're already planning lunch. Did I, did I set the oven to 350 or 325? Is it going to be done when I get home? Did I forget that service gets out just a little bit later now? Oh, goodness, is it going to? No, 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 forget about lunch, okay? The Lord will help it not to burn your house down. Jesus, I really need you to bail me out on that one, okay? <laughs> I didn't say he could make it taste good. That's a whole different story. We've got to be listeners. We've got to be ready and willing to engage. Here, here's the thing, okay? Before we can uh, uh, get into a place of engaging and growing in God's word, uh, we've got to expose the, the rampant outgrowth of wickedness in our lives. Now, listen, I didn't call you wicked. I, I didn't. I may have heard some stories from some of your in-laws, but I didn't say it. We've got to be willing to expose that. Be willing to step back and say, maybe that's me. So if we're really going to grow, we've got to start by exposing the rampant outgrowth. Verse 21. So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness. Get rid of it. Absolutely get rid of it. But here's the deal. You can't get rid of what you don't know is wrong. I heard a story just today that is the same story we've heard over and over of, of a loved one who went to the doctor for some other reason, and when they got in there, they said, oh, this isn't the problem. The problem is this. The problem was you had this bleeding issue, but here's the real problem. You have cancer. Let's get to dealing with the real problem. How many of you have ever gone on WebMD? Show me your hands. You've gone on WebMD to try and self-diagnose the problem that you have. I, yeah, I see hands. uh-huh. Been there and done that. One time I walked into Dr. Brown's office and said, Hey, JB, here's what I think the issue is. is And he said, Would you get off WebMD and never go there again? I said, I was just, yeah, that's really kind of stupid to try to help the doctor. Okay, I'll stop. We do that. We try to self-diagnose. The problem is we're not very good at it. I can try and diagnose an issue all day long, but if I don't know what the real issue is, I'm only dealing with symptoms. That's what we're really good at as Americans is dealing with symptoms. I don't want to really deal with the issue that I have bitterness in my heart. I'd rather deal with the symptoms of learning to keep my mouth shut. I don't want to deal with the issue. So we've got to be willing to step in and expose it for what it is because let's get honest, okay? All of the issues that we face today began in the Garden of Eden. It's all Adam and Eve's fault. This is the one time... It's okay to say, it's not my fault. Sin did not start with you. It started in the garden with Adam and Eve. They let this whole mess get out of hand. But it started because Satan, Satan's a liar, isn't he? He's a liar and a deceiver. And he started this mess, but he lied and deceived Adam and Eve. The problem is they bought into the lie. The lie is they thought they could be the better lord of their own lives, uh, you see, up to the point that, that um, we get to Genesis chapter 3, uh, up to that point, everything that was there and everything that was created, they knew whether it was good or bad because God told them, this is good. He created it and said, this is good. He spoke it into existence and said, this is good. That's the way it worked. So up to that point, there was nothing else. All they did was make this massive, terrible trade, Right? They said, you know what, we think we can do this better. They didn't need God to tell them what was good anymore. Up to this point, God had created the perfect world, amen? Everything was perfect. Everything was wonderful. There was no rain. You could play golf every day. You didn't have to worry about your back going out. You didn't have to worry about any kind of issues. It was glorious, amen? And in this moment, because Adam and Eve have the, 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 moral, uh, the, the moral attention span of a two-year-old hyped up on pixie sticks, they traded it all away. They said, sure, it's good to eat. It's good. We're going to do that. And it all starts when the devil says, did the Lord say? Did he really say? This is where the lie gets input into the world, right? This moment of lies and deception and a willing trade on their part is what has has caused us issues ever since. That moment he injected that lie, it caused everything to begin to spiral out of hand. And, And it begins with the seed of lying and deception that's been planted deeply in the world and we've been living with the consequences ever since. The problem is this lie created an idol, it created an idol in their life, and it has the same three components. Now, I want you to get this, okay? The same three components are in every idol and are spurred by every lie we believe in. It starts this way the lust of the flesh. What did Eve say? She saw that it was good to eat. I believe that every time I see homemade tamales, I saw that they were good to eat. The second one that she believed is the lust of the eyes. She said, I need more than what God has given me. He's been holding out on me. I can't trust him anymore because he has withheld this from me. I need more than what God is willing to provide, and I can't be satisfied with what he's given me. So it started with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and then the pride of life because she said, I can be like God. Adam and Eve both said, I can be like God. I'd be the best at making the rules for what's good for me and what's good for everybody else. Doesn't that sound an awful lot like your toddler, grandchild, or child? Why, Daddy? I don't need to do it that way. I can do it my way. No, you really can't. You can't jump out of a car while it's moving, sweetheart. I'm sorry it doesn't work that way. We don't have to buy into the lies. The problem is the seed of that lie has spread like wildfire into the world around us. But here's the truth. Any area of our lives that is not completely sold out to God is under the influence of a lie. Any, run that by real slow. Any area of your life that is not sold out to God is under the influence of a lie. If our thinking is wrong, nothing can help us. If our thinking is right, nothing can stop us. Every time. We've got to get this right. Don't allow the lie to influence you because here's the deal. There there, there are lies that are easy to expose. First of all, when we look around the world around us, especially at the church in America, there are countless uh, couples who are unmarried, who are a part of the local church, but they are not married. Obviously, they want God to be a part of their lives. But in this area, what they say is, well, my way is better. This is an area, I just can't trust that God knows what's best. I just can't trust him. Because we want to do it our way. We want to do it our way and not the way the Bible mandates we're supposed to. Another lie that's really easy to expose right now, especially here at the beginning of the year, is this one, because over the last two weeks, you've either received a giving statement, a contribution statement, or you got it in the mail at home. Now, here's the deal. If you were to take the number for your total amount of giving, multiply that by 10, does that equate to your annual income? If not then we're under the lie that I know what's best for my finances. I'm going to do it my way because I'm not sure I can trust God that he knows what he's doing. I told you to watch your toes. Starts with your toes. Here's the truth. We've got to stop believing the lie. Does the dollar amount that is represented at the bottom of those statements, does that dollar amount matter to me as your pastor? Absolutely not. What matters to me is that we're all growing to be mature believers who are stewarding well what God has placed in my life. Here's the deal, I want your life to be blessed. How many of you, by a show of hands, how many of you want God's blessing in your life? How many of you will radically commit to doing it God's way? A little bit slower on that one. Yeah, okay, preacher. We want God's blessing, but we want God's blessing on the way we want to do it. God's blessing doesn't come that way. Here's the deal I want us all to live under the influence of God's truth, not under the influence of any lie. I don't want any lie to be what causes us to stumble and fall and miss. Everything that God has in store for us. Because the truth is, God created a a marriage to be between a man and a woman. And for sex to be reserved for the marriage relationship. That's the design of God's plan. In the same way, the truth is, the principle of tithe and offerings as the key to God's blessing is still just as true today as it ever has been. It's also Our our willingness to allow God to invade our finances is also a key indicator of spiritual growth. You know what's hard to do? Be generous when we haven't allowed God into our heart and into our lives and into our finances. I know people who will say, well, but, but the tithing stuff, that's not in the New Testament. Okay. I mean, it is. I'll show you that and prove that to you later. But if you want to do it God's way in the New Testament, the way everybody always says, great, perfect, you need to go sell everything you've got and bring it to the church. I'm just letting it set for a minute. Just let it set. Folks, I want God's blessing on your life. You know why I want God to bless you? so that you can be a blessing. I wanted, Friday morning, sitting in this meeting, uh, speaker from England, I wanted to take out my checkbook and write a check for $10,000 to this man. You know what would happen had I done that? I would have gotten a call from the bank. And not that call from the bank of, hey, did you really, did, did you really write this? But that call from the bank of, what are you thinking? You can't give what you don't have. I want you to be a blessing because God has blessed you. I want nothing more than that for every one of your lives, but we have to do it God's way, family. And it starts by willing to step back and say, I'm going to do it the way God wants to do it. Because here's the deal. We've got to get rid of the rampant outgrowth of wickedness so that the rampant outgrowth of godliness can take over. That only happens when we let God's word get rooted deeply into our life so that it can grow tall and strong. When we've allowed God's word to take, up, uh, uh, to take deep root in our lives, the Bible says some really amazing things begin to happen. Check this out, Psalms 1, 1 through 3, he says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow, in the, follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. Not your normal uh, 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 water, water cooler talk, right? Joys of those who don't do that, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Let God's word take root, and it says you will be like a tree planted along the riverbank, prospering in every way, growing up, bearing fruit. Isn't that what we want? That's what I want. That's what I want for you. I want that in my own life. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried, about, uh, worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Friends, that only happens when we're full of God's word, when there is a rampant outgrowth of godliness in our hearts. Psalm one I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We've got to get God's word deep, deep down, not just surface level. We've got to go deeper than that. We've got to allow it to be planted and penetrate the deepest areas of our lives. When we allow God's word to go down deep in our hearts, it motivates us not to just hear, but to do. Now, ladies, let me ask you this question. How many of you like it when your husband has heard what you asked him to do, but he still sits on the couch and doesn't do it? How many of you, show me your hands, how many of you like it? No? You don't count, Mike, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> your, your vote doesn't work on this one, i sorry. We like it when we ask a question and it gets a response, right? It motivated a response. The same thing. We've got to not just hear God's word like it's the Sunday afternoon football game, but we've got to put it into action. We've got to allow his word to go deep because the seed grows and it produces. And when it does, it creates action. It creates an outgrowth. It also works like a shade tree. Now, my aunt in Shakota. She had the most beautiful, amazing shade tree. It was under this shade tree when I was about six years old that I reached down and grabbed that hot pipe that my uncle had just cut off with a blowtorch and forever burned my hands and the sensitivity of my fingers. It was under that same shade tree that I would sit with my aunt sipping on sweet tea, just watching the world go by. It felt like I was in an episode of, of uh, Bar- uh, 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 leave it to Mayberry, wherever you're going, Andy Griffith Show. Felt like all of a sudden I was caught up in the show, right? All because we just sat and took it easy and life was, it was under that same shade tree that more than once vehicles got stuck in the mud because nothing could grow because of the overgrowth of shade. There wasn't enough sunlight that penetrated it, it caused grass to grow. It didn't matter what she tried. She could never get anything to grow there. In the same way, it happens in our lives. What we allow to grow tall and strong and flourish and flare out will begin to take over and cause everything else to go away. So do you want God's goodness to overflow in your life? If so, plant his seed deep and and allow it to get rooted deeply so that it can overtake every other area of our lives. We've got to allow it to penetrate deeply. That's the only way it works. It's kind of like a story I heard the other day. An old um, Indian chief was telling a young brave, he said, Son... This young brave had a a consistency of getting carried away and being too aggressive with his peers and with others around him. And the chief said, son, you need to understand, in every warrior brave, there are two wolves. One that is kind and gentle but yet still protects the pack, and the other is aggressive and mean and hates the world. And the young brave said, well, chief, how do you decide which one wins? He said, son, it's really simple. Which one do you feed? In the same way, what are we feeding in our own lives so that we grow? Because if we're feeding our sinful nature, that's gonna grow. If we feed the the the, 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 the spirit, it's gonna grow. In fact, Paul said the same thing in Galatians chapter 6. He said, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to the flesh, we we typically stop at seven. We like verse seven what you sow, that's what you're gonna reap, right? Give me your money, 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 money. No, 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 no. Let's carry this on. If we sow to the flesh, we will reap corruption from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Listen, we've got to sow the Word of God deep in our hearts. And then when it gets tough, don't give up. Stay the course. Don't ever let it out of sight. Stay with what God's doing in your heart and in your life so that it can grow never let it get away because God's word is still the same. What we sow, we reap. What we allow to get rooted in our hearts will produce a rampant outgrowth. It's going to overtake it. It's going to grow like crazy, either wickedness or righteousness because that's the rule of God's blessing. The rooted word produces outgrowth and it's going to overtake everything. It's going to. It's going to be consumed. Our, our life is going to be consumed. Is it going to be consumed by, by wickedness or righteousness? What are we going to allow to consume us? When we're consumed by the word, we end up a lot like Jeremiah. He understood this really well because he said in chapter 20, verse 9, he said uh, that God's message becomes a fire burning in my heart, shut up in my bones. I become tired of holding it in and I cannot prevail. In other words, I've got to do something with what God's put in me. It's overflowing. It's I, I got to get it out. I've got to share it with somebody else. We've got to do something with it. It becomes something we have to share with others. And it's the same thing Jesus said, because Jesus said it this way. He said, freely you have received, so freely give. Freely you've received, so freely share. Freely give it away. Now, I'm not talking about a communist dictatorship where everything you have is now mine and I'm going to distribute it. That's not the method of the kingdom. The method of the kingdom is what God has placed in your heart. You distribute to those around you as he moves you and you share with others to make a difference in their lives. Primarily the word of God. Friends, we've got to get past this idea that that we've got to hang on to everything we've got and be hoarders. We've got to share and give away so that others can have it and and their lives can be changed. But why does James go to such detail here to say, not to just hear, but to do, to put it into action? Well, first of all, it's what he saw his brother Jesus do. He watched Jesus pray, hear from God, and put it into action. Because it's what he heard Jesus say. In Matthew 7, 24, he said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears and acts on them. The third reason he went to such details because this is what it means to be like Jesus. It's what he saw Jesus do. It's what he heard Jesus say. And this is the example that we're to follow, hear and do. We can't have God's blessing on our lives without acting on his word. Don't buy the lie, friends. Don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie that you can can have everything that God's word says without doing anything that the Bible says we have to do. I'm tired of hearing preachers say, well, you can build a big church without the anointing. No, you can't. You can build an organization that resembles a church, but will have followers who don't know Jesus. I'm tired of hearing pastors say, you know what? You can build a great sermon without the Bible. No, you can't. In the same way that you would hold me accountable, do you know Jesus? Do you have the anointing? How are you prayed up? I want to hold you accountable. Do you want God's blessing in your finances? Do it God's way. Do you want God's blessing on your marriage? Do it God's way. Do you want God's blessing on your children? Then stop listening to everything else in the world and find out what does God's word say about how to raise kids. Friends, don't get me wrong. I love a good psychologist somebody who can help me understand why I think the way I do. But nothing can tell me the way I'm supposed to think better than the Word of God. Friends, too many people want God's blessings but don't want to do it God's way. It will never... Look at your neighbor and say, never, never, never. That's how often it will work to do it your way instead of God's. Never, never, never. We've got to not believe the lie. We've got to not believe the lie. This is never wrong. Culture may say differently. This is never wrong. God's word will never change. Doesn't matter what version you put it in. His word remains the same. This is authentic. You want your life to be different? Then engage God's word and let your life change according to the word. Don't change the word according to your life. How many of you want your life to be different? Read the word. Change your living according to the word, not the word to fit according to your living. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Today, if you're here, you'd say, Pastor Travis, first of all, I'm not where God wants me to be. I've allowed sin in my life. Friends, sin will still send you to hell. It's what the Word says. Let's not play around with that. I would rather ride an altar to heaven than skate in by the skin of my teeth. Friends, if sin is separating you from God, don't get out of here today without making it right. You never know. Today could be the last day. You could get run over at the corner of 40th and Penn by some other car and not ever get to your lunch appointment and make heaven your home. Make today sure that you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven. Don't leave this building without making it certain. If that's you and you would say, Pastor, I need to come to Jesus. I've got sin in my heart that has separated me and today I want to make it make it right. Would you slip up a hand? Okay. Who else? I'm looking across the room from your right right to left. Come on, anybody else? All right. In just a moment, we're going to ask you to come pray with our elders. But here is where the rubber meets the road for the rest of us. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I've been living according to a lie. I love Jesus, but I've allowed some lies to penetrate my life, and my living doesn't match the Word of God. Would you raise your hand? I've got some areas I need to come home to the truth. Who else? I see your hands. Come on. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. As a family, we're going to pray. In just a second, our our elders and prayer team, they're going to come and gather around these altars, and they're going to be here to pray with you and agree with you for God's absolute best to be yours and for today to be the day that you forget the lie. And so in just a moment, we want you to come. Did you raise your hand for the first one or for the second one? It doesn't matter. We want you to come and pray and let these men and women of God agree with you. Because the Bible says when two or three come together as touching and agreeing, whatsoever they ask for will be done. We're going to believe God's word. Amen. So all across the room, would you stand right where you're at everywhere across the room? I know we're just a little over our normal time, but give it just a minute. Just a minute. Let's not rush out. Elders, prayer team, would you please make your way? If you need prayer because you raised your hand and said, I need prayer in these two areas. I've got sin or there's a lie that I've been living according to. But today I want to change that. If if you raised your hand or you should have, we want you to begin to make your way. If you need prayer for anything, you've got a doctor's visit this week. You've got an issue with your neighbor or your spouse or your kids. You just need somebody to pray with you. This is the time for you to come now. Let's just begin to ask God, what are you saying to me? And if God's prompting you, we want you to begin to get out of your seat. So if you raised your hand, these guys, men and women are ready. They're ready to pray with you. Come on, begin to make your way right now as they begin to sing.